Hi, I'm Brandy. And I'm Tori. And we want to welcome you to Fiction Therapy. In this podcast, real-life mental health professionals slash fantasy enthusiasts unpack, analyze, and fangirl about our favorite books. We dive deep into the characters, adventures, and romances that make them amazing reads. We hope that you have as much fun listening as we do talking about them, and maybe you'll even see things from a new perspective. So we're back. We're back. Part three. Yes. And before we go into the podcast, we actually have an exciting announcement to make. Bum, bum, bum. Yes. We put out a um, month ago, weeks ago, I'm not even sure when, on our Instagram account asking for recommendations on what the next book would be. We decided that after A Court of Wings and Ruin, we would take a little break before going forward with A Court of Frost and Starlight and Silver Flame. So, um, a popular one from responses on that post was the Shadow and Bone series. So, I think that's what we're going to do next. Yes, and I actually haven't read it. Tori has. And I'm in the midst of reading it right now. So, we're going to start with book one after Aquawar. Yeah, it's really exciting. I, I love those books. I loved the Netflix series. Um, Me too. I love... All the spinoffs. I would venture to say that Six of Crows is probably in my top five books ever. Really? So, yeah. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, It'll be fun to get a different perspective, too, because you did books and then series. And I did series first. Like, I watched yeah. the series as soon as it came out. Ooh, that so will be fun. I watched the series before I read the books. That's exciting. Is... See, I read the books. Um, goodness. I read them... Right before the show was announced. So I didn't know there was going to be a show quite yet when mm-hmm. I read it. But I remember that it was announced right after. And I was so, so, so excited. Yeah. So that's... I've already been texting you some things. I'm like, well, I like this thing more mm-hmm. in the show than the book. And you were like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure there will be a lot of um, comparisons. So if you want to listen, um, make sure you've read the book. Um Maybe watch the show. Maybe watch the show, yeah, because I, I want to be free to talk about the show, too. Yeah. So, so anyways, in the so. future, make sure you don't listen unless you've seen the show and read the book. Which, if you know, there's there's no spoilers. So, if you've read the book, you haven't watched the show, but you know what's going to happen in the show. Because they, they do a really good job of going by the books. Do they? Mm-hmm. So, well, with... There's probably some caveats. Yeah, there's some <laughs> caveats, but... If you haven't watched the show, don't don't feel like you can't listen to it. But mm. or maybe just watch it. You know, if you don't have Netflix, just go find unsus- find an unsuspecting person off the street and ask for their password. I'm sure they'll <laughs> give it to you. Because that's how Netflix works, right? That's how it works. Yeah. Hey guys, we completely forgot to say our disclaimers. <laughs> so if you are new here, then please go and read our disclaimers in the show note because. As a summary, there is some mature content, and there's definitely going to be spoilers if you haven't read all of these books. So anyway, so we're going to jump right into the discussion starting now. Okay, so where we left off last time was um, the attack on Adriata mm-hmm. in the summer court, and now... And we saw that with, like, Reese and Highburn as well. Yeah. That he, like, disappeared, and everybody was like, <gasps> he was not actually there. Yeah, big shock. So now they're back at the war camp outside of the summer court, mm-hmm. and um, Thayer takes a little nap. <laughs> she had a rough day. <laughs> I mean, really. Hmm. So I'm pretty sure there was more to that nap than just sleeping when mm-hmm. Reese came in, but you know how that the works. Inf- <laughs> Sorry, I have a mouth in my mouth. <laughs> the infamous, like, sex in the war camp tent. That's so... Like people make fun uh, of that so hard on TikTok where it's like <laughs> the sounds of the wounded or like people <laughs> happening like outside the tent and they're just like in there getting it on. Very comparable to another scene that happened in another I was about to say, um, if yeah. you're kind of into weird stuff like that, From Blood and Ash <laughs> might be a good book for you. I hope we can do that one on the podcast here soon because those sure. books are so fun. I can't even remember if they... I'm not going to call it a silencing bubble because that's a different <laughs> message. a different book. <laughs> but, like, do they keep I it don't, quiet or can I'm people sure. in the war tent area hear them? I don't 
Well, I feel like in these books, they're really big about, like, hearing everything. Yeah, just own it. They're like, yeah, um, we're mates. So I don't, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to look back. I don't even know if they do mm -hmm. stuff at this point. They're like, but I know at fun. one point they do stuff in a war tent. Yeah. Um, also, I remember feeling I had mixed emotions about Tarquin here because he. Mm -hmm had, like, taken some prisoners of war, remember? And then he was like, we're just going to murder them all. Yeah. And then he just murdered them. Tarquin is such a young ruler, though. Mm -hmm. I feel like he's just really trying to figure things out. And I'm sure it's also really confusing that uh, the only people that came to help him were his proclaimed enemies. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, from our point of view, we're like, oh, Tarquin, we just want to be best friends with you. But from his side of things, like... You know, I feel like Night Court was public en enemy number one. Mm -hmm. And they are the only ones that came to help. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're right there by the Spring Court, which I guess Tamlin doesn't have enough army left to help anybody <clears throat> at this point. But, I guess not. Um, so I'm sure he's really confused, you know. I probably will go to my grave defending Tarquin in some way or another. Mm -hmm. It's just a cinnamon roll. <laughs> So then they go back to Valaris, and this is when Nesta starts asking about Cassian. Like, has anybody seen Cassian? Is Cassian okay? We're like, uh, excuse uh, me, Nesta, uh, are you perhaps worried about him? Feelings? Emotions? Nesta doesn't know what those are, mm. so she's really confused as to why she's feeling them. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is the point where Feyre realizes things are really bad. Yeah, we really need the help of the Bone yeah. Carver. So she has Reese take her back to the prison, and she's just like, pick something else. Anything. Just pick mm -hmm. something else. And um, this is also when she tells Reese, you know, that the bone carver appears as their future child. And it's so sweet because he's like, can you show me? And it's... Oh. And he does. He sees. And we're all oh, like... it's oh. precious. Love and it. So he, he still says, if you want my help, you'll get the mirror. And Feyre's like, no, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. So then we have... Finally. The oh meeting. my goodness. We're at the High Lord's meeting. We're at the High Lord's meeting. <gasps> there is some tea that happens at the High Lord's meeting. I... This is my favorite part of the book. Like, you know, I've told you I'm reading this to John. Mm -hmm. And when we read this, it was just... You've gotten like, this part? Yes. We've read through this part. And John, like, he just sat there with his mouth open the whole time. Like, the tea. It's just... It's and, so dramatic. And usually, like... When I read it to him, like, I, I edit out a lot. I edit out anything sexy, because he's really not interested in that. Mm. Um, he likes the romance parts. I don't edit too much of that. I usually edit out a lot of bad words, you know. But this part, I was like, no editing. We're just, we're doing it. The whole thing. The whole thing. Um, and so it was really, really, this is just such a good scene. It really is. I feel like the, a lot of the High Lords are so ridiculous, though. Like, not to say anything negative about SJM at all. I love them all. I love all the characters, but they are so, like, temperamental. Yeah. They're very dramatic. And like, they're all two-faced. Yes. None of them are really, in real life, how they act in the meeting. Yeah. We're just playing games here. There's so many games. It's, it's, it's quite entertaining. Mm-hmm. But sure. um, so let's play the pronunciation game. Okay, but wait. <laughs> right before they go, Nessa comes downstairs and she's like, "Listen, hair flip. I want to go and tell my story." And everybody was like, "WTF, Nesta? Like, what? What? We've been trying to get you to do this all the whole time." And she's like, "Well, now it is. It's affecting the humans. And since the humans might die, I think I should go and I should help you guys out." And everybody was like, "Deep breaths." Deep breath. So, plot twist. Yeah, well, there's Nesta's not room in coming. the car, Nesta. <laughs> plot twist now. Nesta's coming. Now that Nesta has decided it's a good time for Nesta to give her story, she's now coming and she's going to tell the people, like all the High Lords, what that, happened. Yes. And, and uh, you know, she didn't want to go and tell because she originally said, you know, it's, it's not theirs to know. Mm -hmm. This is her story to covet and to keep how she wants it. Yeah. You know, and... It, and she, they, she said they didn't deserve to know, like, yeah. her that way. Which, like, I mean, I get it. I get it. But yeah. I think, on, on the other hand, everybody was like, is this not a big enough cause right. to overcome that? You know? Oh, and I she thought disagreed. she was being totally ridiculous. Yeah. But 
Yeah. And then her and Cassian have a moment where he, like, tells her to be careful and, like, don't they, like, gaze into each other's eyes or something? I feel like there's a lot of gazing. Yeah. There's a moment. Mostly on Cassian's part, but still. Yeah. But anyways, back to the pronunciation guy. Yeah. <laughs> so they, um, they're having this meeting at the Dawn Court. Mm-hmm. And I think, doesn't Farrah wear, wear her... Starfall dress? I think so. Yeah, because the first day it's the Starfall dress, and then the next day it's like the black glittery dress that's on the cover of all the books. Yeah. Um, and she's like added some little like Elsa capes to the back. I remember mm-hmm. reading that, which I thought was She also fun. wears her crowns. A crown and some bracelets. Wait, when did she go? Yes! You know, Reese took her to get the crown in the glowworm cave, mm-hmm. and she, he was like, pick out whatever you want. Yes. When did that happen? Right like, before this right meeting? before this meeting. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, because I remember he says, pick anyone you want. And she's like, a glow worm? <laughs> I love her. Um, she's amazing. Because she picks out a crown and then, like, they have sexy time with just the crown. Oh, yeah. That's and a the thing cuffs. for him. Yes, and the cuffs. The cuffs. The, like, bracelet things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, unimportant, but totally important. <laughs> totally important. <laughs> so, they get to the Dawn Court. Farah is dressed like... So impeccably beautifully. I, I just have a very clear picture of the Starfall dress, and I love that it's reused. Yeah. Like, that we didn't just leave it behind. Right. So, we still don't know if Tamlin's going to come or not. We should, um, we should say, like, the High Lord of the Day Court, and then say the word at the same time, and see if it's, <laughs> we pronounce it the same. Okay. High Lord of the Day Court. Okay. One, two, three. Helion. Helion. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. High Lord of the Winter Court. One, two, three. Callius. <laughs> You said Callias? Yeah. I said Callias. Callias. Who knows? <laughs> okay. High Lord of Dawn. One, two, three. Thiessen. Yes. Amen. Uh, and we've said Baron. I think we both said Baron. And we said Tarquin. Tarquin. And Tamlin. Let's see if we pronounce that the Tamlin. same. Tamlin. Um, but Tamlin's not there. We're just kind of reminding you of the different High Lords. Right. Um, so... There's a lot that happens. I don't even know where there's to so start, much. really. But okay. basically, everybody has their little entrance, you know, and there's, like... There's a koi pond. There's a koi pond. Like, I'm trying to get a solid visual on this space, but I kind of look... <laughs> in my brain, it's, like, this huge room with a koi pond in the middle, and then there's, like, AA chairs in a circle. See, I pictured, like, a conference room, but instead of a table, the koi pond. Okay. So, in my mind, they're, like, in rolling chairs. <laughs> but I know that's... <laughs> I know that's not how it is, but... Oh, my God. Well, see, that's better than mine are just, like, those the AA stackable meeting. AA meeting chairs, and they all literally just sit in a circle around the koi pond. Is it thrones? I don't know. I don't even know. I feel like... All I know, there was a koi pond. There is a koi pond. Because Fair is like, I want one. Yeah. And there's got to be like a snack table with like donuts and coffee and water. Because she walks over to a table at one point and gets some water for this someone. This is really just a board meeting. It really is. Like, I, I had such a skewed picture in my brain of like what this space looked like. But I was yeah. like, it's fine. We're just going to go with it. I think you're right, though. There is a snack table. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it Thiessen who's hosting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's an excellent host. Mm-hmm. So, and they also have wings. They're mm-hmm. peregrines. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're distantly related to the mm-hmm. seraphim, which yeah. is feathers, not like bat wings, but feathers. Yeah, um, I'm partial to bat wings. Not gonna lie, mm. but I'm like a, I'm like one of those people that loves bats. Like I loved bats before this. <laughs> Freaking bats! <laughs> you know that? Too. Yeah. <laughs> it's every time I go to the zoo, I drag everybody into the bat cave. It's my favorite. Hmm. Um, that's unimportant. So we also meet Vivian, which is good friends with Moore. Yes, I love Vivian. Calias's Kal- wife? Yeah. Calias's? I don't know. We can just decide on one. Which one do we decide I don't on? know. It's fine. <laughs> we'll just keep saying I'm different. Hmm. Um, let's see. Vivian was a childhood friend that he had yes. loved his whole life, and then he managed to save her from under the mountain. Wasn't that a cute story? Yes, and she took care of all his people, and then, like, as soon as he got back, he asked her to marry him. And, hmm. Oh, it's so sweet. I need a book about them. And then Baron comes, and he brings four of his sons All 50,000 of his children. Oof. And his poor little wife. And then I feel like after they had kind of already started the meeting, Tamlin shows up. And he yeah. just winnows right in. He didn't even walk in. He's just like... Phew. It's tacky. 
It is. It's tacky. And listen, okay, Tamlin's whole vibe during this meeting is just angry. Yeah. He just comes in with a chip on his shoulder, and he is like, I'm anger, and I'm going to make sure everybody knows I'm anger. There, I was so mad during this whole scene. Like, some of the things he says to her, I'm just like, that. that's trashy. Like, you're trashy. He's hurt, and he's speaking out of that hurt. Yeah, but you don't do it at a high wards meeting. If you have a problem with a co-worker, you talk about it in the break room. You don't do it at the board meeting. Like, <laughs> For sure. No, I agree that it's tacky. But I think all of that anger is hurt. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure. But still, <sighs> Tamlin. So, Tamlin blames everybody for everything. He blames Feyre for losing his court, pretty much. He blames mm-hmm. Reese for, oh, he's gaslighting. He's like, you made me make a deal with Highburn by putting oh. me in that position. Because of what you did, I had to do this. And it's your fault. Like. And not taking responsibility for no. that alliance at all. No. For he's sure. like, if you hadn't stolen Pharaoh, I wouldn't have had to do all that. Mm-hmm. And then he's also just kind of, I felt like he, what he was trying to do is paint a picture of Pharaoh as like, basically over-sexualizing her and yeah. labeling him her with those like degrading sexual terms. Just that like she sleeps around and she did this because of sex or like that she's. A negative female because of those mm-hmm. things like I, I thought that was the route that he kind of tried to go for her he tried to say she was loose yeah and, and like it's like that was, was a low blow there was a mating bond it's not like mm-hmm. he she just like left him which I mean if she had no one would blame her but right there was but also, he's trying to paint that in a really negative way it's really frustrating and he just says some really hurtful things mm-hmm. like talking about things she does like very personal things like yep. that he knows in confidence because of their sexual experiences and we all know that line <sighs> that line that he's like have you ever noticed this and everybody collectively gasped yeah we i gasped like, <gasps> i felt like i choked not. on a drink or something yeah it's it's so awful and and reese just lets him he's like this is fine mm-hmm. which it's important to note that they've put all these wards on um the meeting so mm-hmm. that nobody can really like hurt each other with magic isn't that correct do you remember that i don't remember that because at one point reese like breaks the wards and oh i did is, not remember that. what happened i thought there was like all these magical spells protecting the site and so that they couldn't fight hmm. see i thought most of those wards were based on like security Maybe so. More. I just remember when Reese shuts Tamlin up, they're all like, oh. Yeah. They all realize once more that he is so much more powerful than the other High Lords. Because mm-hmm. I think he just doesn't flaunt that so much, you know? Yeah. So they kind of forget that that's who Reese is. It's like you talked about with the brownie batter. I always think of that now. Yeah. The oh, bowl of brownie batter. Not original to me. Heard it from a different podcast. But yes, love that analogy. Yes. But like he just started off with way more brownie brownie batter than everybody else and tamlin tries to like turn everyone against reese which reese has organized this whole thing like hey let's come together mm-hmm. and he's like he's probably working for highburn you know he's probably telling them everything you're saying trying mm-hmm. to turn everyone against reese mm-hmm. and mm. he calls hers okay at one point tamlin turns his his like attention back to Feyre and calls her spoiled goods and a whore. And that's when... That's when Reese snaps yeah. and, like, shuts him up. Like, yes. with magic. Uh-huh. He like, takes speak. away his breath. What is the... Who... What is the point where Azrael says, be careful how you talk about my high lady? Is that to Tamlin? It's later. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's later? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that part, too. Yeah. Let me think. And there's a fight. Yes. Azrael and Eris get in a fight. So maybe Eris says something about Feyre. Huh. I don't know. There's there's so much that happens that it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to keep straight. Yeah. Uh, the the fight with Feyre and Baron is in a future chapter. It's in like a one or two chapters ahead. But I can't remember where Azrael comes in. I think it was to Tamlin. Yeah. That's what makes me I'm think it's sure. right now. Oh. <laughs> okay, so Tarkin... Tarquin rescinds his blood rubies. He's like watching all this. He's like, I take it back. Yes. And so then Eris says, 
something really bad about Moore, he says that she dresses like a slut. He says it's good to see you still dress like a slut. Yes. And that's and Asriel when Asriel loses his crap. Yes. He, like, tackles Eris to the ground. And doesn't Pharaoh, like, walk over there to him and, like, put her hand gently oh, on so his shoulder? Oh, so precious, yes. Like, she manages to get him to stop. And then, I don't know that we ever figure out what Azrael says to Eris, but he whispers something in Eris's ear. And Eris, like, pales. Yeah. And then he yeah. just, and Pharaoh, that's when Pharaoh goes to the snack table mm-hmm. and gets him, like, a cup of water and sits him next. And everybody's like, <gasps> and she's like, he's my family. And to show, like, she's willing yeah. to serve him. Oh, I love that part. I'd forgotten that till mm-hmm. you said that. It's just so precious. And I always think about, this is such a bad analogy, and you're going to laugh at me. I can't wait. During this part, <laughs> I always think of that scene in A Christmas Story with Ralphie, where Ralphie just snaps and loses it on the bully and, yes. like, completely, like, beats the crap out of him. And his mom comes and, like, picks him up uh-huh. and takes him home and sits him down and gets him a glass of milk. Yeah. And, like, I always think about that because I'm like, <laughs> Azrael has had enough. He has pined after this woman for 500 years. Mm-hmm. She has not reciprocated. Yeah. You know. But still loves him, loves her with his whole heart. <laughs> yes. And Eris insults her. Mm-hmm. And he just flips his lid. And Feyre is like, totally understands it. Yeah. Feyre completely understands what is going on. Mm-hmm. And that it has to do with this history and not so much of what he said in that moment. Absolutely. It's, oh. And the fact that she can get to him in, amongst that is powerful to me. I think her actions also demonstrate to everyone else what kind of ruler she is. Mm-hmm. And me if too. she's that kind of ruler... It kind of brings into question what kind of ruler is Reese, because mm-hmm. she's obviously learned her ruling skills from Reese. From someone, yeah. And it's important to note too that like Reese has had this facade of being the Court of Nightmares guy, mm-hmm. and so this meeting is pretty much the first time that he's showing his real self to yeah. most people in the room, because like the, the inner circle knows, yeah. But like all the other High Lords are having a hard time accepting that that's who he really is. Well, we know Tarquin has seen glances of it. Mm-hmm. Because in um, Mist and Fury, he says to Farah, I feel like Reese isn't exactly who we think he is, is he? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, so I feel like a lot of these more mm, observant High Lords yeah. feel like there's something that's not quite matching up. Mm-hmm. They kind of know like that Reese is probably practicing the same thing they pre- right. uh, practice of like, putting something forward that isn't their true self. Well, and if Vivian and Moore are best friends, mm-hmm. and Moore lives in the Night Court, you know, it, it's like, I feel like if they're paying attention, they can see that, that mm-hmm. that's a facade. For sure. So, so Tamlin also brings a whole bunch of papers and stuff, and he's like, I'm basically here to play, you know, double spy. Like, I'm bringing you all the information from Highburn. And he's trying to prove his worth to everybody, saying, like, I'm not really on Highburn's side. I just want to, like, help on the High Lord's side of things. And so people are looking through their stuff. And, and basically we find out that Helian's magical power is to quickly make copies of papers. Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't remember that. Does he, like, yeah. duplicate all yeah. the information? He, like, picks it up and looks through it, and then magical copies appear in everyone's hand. And he's like, it's duplicates. He's a glorified like, copy machine. Copy machine. <laughs> this really is just an office like environment. We're just at a board meeting right now. And Helian's the administrative assistant. Oh my gosh. So oh. this is when she gets in a fight with Baron. So he talks about Reese being with Amarantha Ooh. while him and the other High Lords were fighting. And Feyre loses her crap and she like shoots fire out of her. Like, straight into yeah. Baron. Which, it's important to note, they were going to keep her powers on the DL. Um, not only does she shoot fire, but then she shoots water. Yeah, she, like, encases him in a bubble of water. <laughs> She's trying to kill him, and Feyre is like, mm. what is the word he says? Does he say Feyre? Or does he say, hey? I don't remember what he says, but he, he eventually gets to her. Okay, I actually found the page. He says Feyre into her mind a couple of times. And um, I don't, I still don't think he gets through to her. But then he says out loud, you've proved your point, my love. Kill him and horrible heiress will take his place. Mm. This is like so, 
sweet and caring. Like, I love how this is handled. And she's so mad. Like, she can't even talk out loud. She mm-hmm. just keeps talking into his mind. And he's, like, mm-hmm. answering out loud. And I imagine everyone thinks they are nuts. Yeah. Like, super creepy. Yeah. They, um, she has successfully gone off and showed showed a side of her that could be labeled as Craig Gray. Yeah. And, and crazy powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, she's taking down this High Lord with all of the High Lord's powers, Mm -hmm. you know, and the whole plan to keep her powers a secret essentially gets blown out the window when she's using all of them together. Yep. All the different powers together. I bet Reese is like, well, you know, we had decided (laughs) to not, you know, those are probably the thoughts that are going, oh, well, well, we blew that one. Oh, well. But it's a really sweet exchange between Reese and Farrah, and mm-hmm. you know how I feel about quotes, so I won't get, like, carried away with reading it. But I will say that um, at one point, Helian is like, wow, she is really powerful. No wonder you made her high lady. And Reese says, um, I made her high lady because I love her, and her power was the last thing I considered. <laughs> and I have to go back to the one, like, right before the one you read, where he's still trying to kind of whisper into her mind. He says, the words of that hateful man don't mean anything. He has nothing of joy in his life. Nothing good. We do. Oh. And I think that was such a beautiful grounding technique is to just kind of point her to, like, remember what's important in mm-hmm. life. Look what we have. Yeah. He's just jealous. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I mean, that's that's relevant to everyone to remember, like, there are good things. Mm-hmm. Um so that when you're taking down the High Lord of the Autumn Court with your fire and water magic, you can remember what's important. You can be grounded in your truth of that you are with the best and the most handsome High Lord and that your life has so much joy. I love it. Good lessons. Oh, good life Daily lessons, lessons to learn on the Farrah. podcast. Yep. Um, oh, man. So then the cat's out of the bag. Everybody's kind of mad. Some people aren't mad. Helian is like, I think he's more fascinated than anything. Mm-hmm. Which, look, look, it needs to happen. So let's just pause and talk about Helian. Yes. Let's um, do it. Oh, I love him. I love him so much. Me too. Um, uh, wait, didn't we say that different? Or did we, we said Helian the same? Because mm-hmm, I was same. listening to the way you just said it. And I was like, that's how I'd say it too. Yeah. So, okay. We said that one the same. He's just, I don't even know. I just love him. I feel like he is um, another big personality, kind of similar to the way Cassian is a, um, a comedic relief, mm-hmm. that he brings like joy and light and high energy to the situations that yeah. he's in. I, that's kind of how I feel about Helian. Well, and then finding out, which we'll, we'll talk about this more in depth later, but finding out that he's Lucian's dad. Bum, bum, bum. Which I've read all this stuff. Um, I feel like none of my ideas are original. <laughs> um, but I've, I've read these things that Sarah J. Moss is really clever with her writing. Mm-hmm. Because she is always talking about Helian's strong thighs. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I wish I had a picture of your face when it did that. Um, but she's always talking about the strong thighs. Helian's strong thighs. And the only other person that she really talks about their thighs is Lucian. Oh. And it's like just a couple of parts, but it's it's like noted that his strong thighs and his white pants or something came like that. from Helian. Got it. So like that's connected. <laughs> Genetics. Yes. That's hilarious. So I, I still haven't quite figured out... Um, Because Helian is kind of described as being really dark-skinned. That's what I thought too. He is. And then Lucian, I mean, is redheaded. Yes. But they talk about him being tan. Yeah. So I guess he got the tan from his dad and Mm -hmm. the the red from his mom. Yes. So he's more light-skinned than Helian, Mm -hmm. but less of the traditional, like, pale, Mm -hmm. paler tone that goes along with being, I guess, what we would call a ginger. Mm-hmm. He's not that. I think I remember in the first book, Feyre saying he had um, skin that was uncharacteristic for his hair color or something like that. It's hmm. not typically so. seen. I may have made that up completely, but I feel like I remember that. Yeah. Um, Which kind of makes sense, though, of like why he feels 
left out of his family, right, or set apart from his brothers and, like, disliked by his father. Mm-hmm. I, I get the vibe that people know, like, in the family. Yep. So after this happens, uh, Baron, like, takes off. He's like, I'm done. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Um, Doesn't, does Eris go with him? I think they all go with him. Yeah, they all, all go. the All the 50,000 children. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just kidding. It's really not that... Even that many, is it's it? It's like seven. I mean, that's well, a lot. I know Six some people seven. with like eight kids. Yeah. But anyway, to have all sons that are evil, that's a lot. That's a little more of a handful. Yeah. Or at least 80% of them are evil. I'm not good at math. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they they just decide to conclude the meeting. Right. Like, this is, Take a break. Oh, we need a break. Mm-hmm. And they get set up in this awesome like suite. These rooms, yes. And, and Helian comes to visit them, he and is like petitioning Moore and Azriel and Cassian for a force. <laughs> and all of us were like, "Oh, oh, okay." And then Pharaoh was like, "Why doesn't? Why don't they take him up on it?" <laughs> so innocent, Pharaoh. Reese was like, "What was the reason?" He was like, "I don't know." This happened. He he was really shocked, and he was like, he was like, oh, do you want to invite people into our bed? Yeah, and she's like, uh, no. <laughs> he was like, well, I'm open to it. And she's like, no. Possessive Pharaoh is like, no, <laughs> no one is sharing you. But what is really sad is that what we find out the reason behind it later, which the reason I'll go ahead and say now is that more feels. Feels the need to show Azriel that she isn't interested in him mm-hmm. whenever he shows a lot of care for her. So in the meeting, he stood up for more in a big way. And so she ends up sleeping very like publicly, like walks him down the hall. They don't try to hide the fact that they, you know, had sex together with Helian. And just kind of like rubs that in Azriel's face. Yeah, I don't love that. Just to remind him, like, I'm not with you. Yes. And I don't like you, right? Like I don't reciprocate. Your, your romantic yeah. feelings for me. I feel like there's a whole book that could be written about the more Azrael mm-hmm. issue. For sure. Which um, I feel like we might get more snippets from their history in future books, too, of just, like, things that have happened between them, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that would so. be... I would like more on that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want a whole book about that. but No, I felt like it would just be included, though. Like, yeah. you know, in passing. Not well, you know, but I've wanted, plot. like, a whole book on a lot of things. That's right. You're so like, that's not at the top of my list. It's not at the top of my list. <laughs> For the personal, Sarah, if you're listening, that's that's kind of at the bottom of my list. So, you know. Noted. <laughs> um, um, so the next day, they, like, resume the meeting. Mm-hmm. Oh, you find out about Helian and... Uh, saving Lucian's mom and that they had this little love affair. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a cute story. I mean, I like, love it. it's cute. Um, so sad that she's married to Baron. He's just... Mm. And, you, you know, I think back to... I think we forget a lot. I don't know about you, but in my rereads, I don't often reread Akatar. I reread <laughs> A Court of Mist and Fury and A Court of Wings and Ruin. Mm-hmm. But when I was doing the Akatar reread... Um, you know, she helped Farah under the mountain to say thank you for helping Lucian, who is her favorite son. Uh-huh. Because Because Helian. Helian's child. It's mm-hmm. it's her love child. Yeah, whereas it makes her, so much sense. Her union between Baron was about power. Uh-huh. He was trying to connect to her family line, her power. Yes. And that family. So it wasn't a love match. Isn't a love match. Yeah. But when Farah realizes this, you know, she tells Reese, and they're both shocked. And, and I was kind of shocked as the reader. I was like, Fa- once again, Farah was the first one to realize this? Uh. Well, they actually talk about, they think Eris knows. Yeah. Because they, Eris they, yeah. has never wanted Lucian dead, and it's because he's not a threat. Mm-hmm. Because he couldn't be High Lord. Yeah. The magic wouldn't pass to him. But out of the inner circle... Yeah. No one has thought about this. Maybe Lucian hasn't really been on their minds. Maybe he's not been around them Yeah, much. like, they and haven't, he hasn't been at the forefront of their attention. And for Feyre, you know, Lucian's one of her good friends. Yeah. So. Maybe um. that's why. But, so, Nesta starts to freak out. This is, like, the morning before 
the next part of the meeting, right? Yeah, she's like, we gotta leave. Yeah. But she can't tell anyone why. She just has she a She doesn't feeling. know. Yeah. And so does the, does the second part of the meeting happen, and then later they find out what was happening? Yeah, it's like a, they it's, go forward it concludes the meeting. the meeting. Like, they check everything. They check back with Amarin. Nothing's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And then they have the meeting, and the meeting ends because they find out that the wall has been destroyed. Mm-hmm. And this is what kicks off the war. Yeah. Mm. Yikes. And I think that's basically, you know... But she, Nessa does say stuff in the meeting, though. Yeah, she does. She gives her, her story or whatever, a little bit. Um, let's see. Nessa starts vomiting. That's how they kind of figure out something's really, you know, Mm -hmm. going on. And, and this brings to light, like, how connected is Nesta to the cauldron? Apparently very much so. What did she take? I feel like... The way that I theorized it, having read Silver Flame and, like, know more than just Echo Wars giving us, I I just kind of see it as she just went in there and scooped up as much as she could hold. Like, mm-hmm. and so she has a piece of the cauldron. Yeah. Like, she, ha- she took not just something the cauldron had, but took part of the cauldron. So here, here... Here we go with these crazy outlandish theories. Does that mean in later books, Nesta is going to become the mother? You know, they talk about the cauldron and the mother. Is Nesta going to become the cauldron or the mother? Interesting. Because she has a piece of it living in her. Yeah. But doesn't she... Spoiler alert for Silver Flame. Does she not give that up? At the end of Silver Flame? Like, she gives up powers, and she's left with... The mother gifted her part of her power. That's how it's described. It's like, the mother saw my sacrifice, and she gave me a flicker of my power back. So she has something, Mm -hmm. but did she not give up all of the, like, death god, major... I think so. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, interesting things to think about. Um, Yeah. Curious to see. I think that could be a cool character story, though, that, like, she becomes the mother. Mm. That'd be nice. That's nuts. terrifying. That's a terrifying <laughs> world that I don't want to live in. <laughs> Does that make Cassian? <laughs> the father. I don't know. Half the cauldron. I always think about, and I think I talked about this in a past podcast, but there's that meme, I think I sent it to you, that's, like, um, when Elaine went into the cauldron, the guy's like smiling, shaking his head, and then Nesta goes into the cauldron, and the guy in the meme's like, <laughs> yes, with the big eyes, and he's like, you know, just what? terrified. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's fun. So um, they they kind of go into panic mode once yeah. the wall has been broken, and so basically um, what happened is that the cauldron was used. Like, the king used the cauldron, and they feel that it was used to shatter the wall. Yes. And Reese contacts somebody and confirms that. I don't, I don't know who his contacts are, but mm-hmm. probably Nuala and Caridwin or something. Yeah. Um, he's like, what's the tea? <laughs> so. Maybe the cereal, we don't know. They're trying to figure out how to help the humans, since there's essentially no protection now between you know, the humans and the fae. Mm-hmm. And Elaine has the absolute wonderful idea to evacuate um, the humans to... Like Grayson's estate. Grayson's estate. Who hate... Grayson hates fae. Grayson and his family hate yeah. fae. So they were like, obviously she can't go to him. And Reese was like, we'll glamour her to make sure she looks human. And mm. so then you can like waltz in there and ask him. And I'm just like, This was just a very elaborate ploy for Elaine to try to get Grayson back. And it's not happening. (laughs) I mean, that's what this is. Okay, this is the point where Cassian gives Nesta a dagger. And he's like, he kind of teaches her the soft points, (laughs) how to fight back. Because, reminder, Nesta has not trained and has no intention to train. So she is helpless. But when she does train. Yeah. Mm, So good. Um... Fair goes and asks Amran, like, can we get that creature at the bottom yeah. of the library to help us? And that's when we find out his name is Briaxis or Briaxis. And um, and she secretly takes Amran with her to talk to him because she can't take Reese because Reese will not let her bring home any more 
Monsters. Um, orphaned monsters. Yeah. No more monsters. So she's like, hey, Amron, let's do this thing behind Reese's back. And she's like, cool, cool. And this is when yeah, <laughs> Amron's like, yes, an opportunity to oppose him. Um, but in a playful way. Yeah. And this is when Braxis is like, this is my home. I don't want to leave. I just want yeah, a window. Yeah, like the bone carver. They're like... Everybody loves the night They're court. pretty content. Yeah, they're like, yeah. Three solid meals a day. <laughs> no windows, but it's fine. <laughs> Darkness. I mean, <laughs> uh, an endless opportunity to torture people as they come by. You know, it's, mm-hmm. what more do you want? So, he does want a window. Yep. So, she agrees. She gets another cool tattoo. I just need a map of all of Ferris tattoos at this point so I can replicate them on my body. Yeah. I feel but like, without needles. I feel like there were so... There's so many people out there that probably have these tattoos. Yeah. Like, in, with real ink. Yeah. I, I get really jealous because Farrah never has to get hers done with, like, a needle. Like, like they just appear. Yeah. You know, and uh, no spoilers here, but... In Throne of Glass, all the tattoos that are done are with an actual needle. And I'm yeah. like, Farrah's just appear magically. And that's that's kind of what I kinda want nice. for my life. Kind of nice. Anyway, that's unimportant. Um, so we're finally to the third part now. Oh, my stars. That ends the massive middle section. We're on yes. part three, and it's called High Lady. And this is when, like, I feel like everything just kind of kicks off. Like, the war starts. They head to the Illyrian camp. Oh, love this scene between Devlin and Nesta. He looks <laughs> over to her and he's like, what are you, a witch? And she's like, yeah, sure am. Yes, I am. That is what Absolutely. I am. Absolutely. I love that. Um, and everyone everywhere is going, yes, she is. <laughs> um, but no, she can use, like, spells and stuff. Yeah. Which I don't really understand. Could she do that as a human? No, definitely not. Is she just gifted with, like, I can do this stuff, no one else can? I guess so. Maybe the cauldron power. Maybe she has some iron teeth in her line somewhere. Maybe so. I just thought it was funny because, like, we know that she's not actually a witch. Like, she can do some other things. Like, but that's not, she's high fae, right? But he was like, oh my god, is she a witch? And she just, like, claims it. She's like, I would rather him see me as a witch, you know? Like, I want him to be afraid of me. Like, absolutely. Yep, that's what I am. And I'll probably turn you into a frog. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fun. So then we make Elaine go. Um, she begs for sanctuary. He pretty much pegs her right away. He's like, listen, I know you're high fae. You're a piece of crap. We're not going to help you. Um, I like this moment where Farrah starts panicking a little bit because she's in a small space. Because that's part of her mm-hmm. like trigger. Because mm-hmm. under the mountain... And, um, and this is when they're, like, lurking around the estate. So that's why I bring this up. And um, Nesta has a moment of tenderness for her and tells her, like, I can't get in a bathtub yeah. because of the cauldron. Like, I, I just, which they don't have showers back then, but she's like, I just dump buckets of water over my head. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of thought that was a sweet moment. Yeah, for sure. Very vulnerable for her to say that. It was, like, the first time I felt like she acted like a big sister. Yeah. Like, hey, it's okay. I, and I it was, feel like this, too. Shocking for Farah too, I think, because she was, I think she was shocked that Nesta had PTSD, you know, or like was affected. Cause yeah. Like she sees Nesta as, you know, basically very strong, like mm-hmm. unaffected. But Farah was like, oh, like oh, she's really affected by this thing that happened to her. So then, um, the plot's up. They figure out that they're Fay, or Grayson figures out that they're Fay, and mm-hmm. he's not fooled. And then who steps out? But my man, Jurian. Oh, I feel like this was just, for me, in Miss and Fury, where I was so shook that, like, Tamlin and them walked out. This is the same thing yeah. over again, where it's like, come on down, Jurian. <laughs> and everybody was like, what? And at this point, you still think Jurian's bad. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, no, this is going to be terrible. And then, like, real quick, you find out Jurian has been working for their team the whole time. And I accidentally messed up and said something about that to John the other day, and we haven't gotten to this part. Mm-hmm. And we were, like, casually driving to church, and it came up. I don't know why it came up. <laughs> I said something about, yeah, that was so funny when we thought Jurian was bad. And he, like, almost slammed on the brakes in the car. He was like, what? Jurian's good. Jurian's good. So, yeah, I totally spoiled that. I feel what? really bad. It's hard but to do. I almost mean, it's easy to do. Almost put us in a wreck. So... <laughs> This is, like, the moment you find out, um, and Jurian's, I remember, I don't 
this isn't skipping too far, I don't think. But Jurian is like, I've literally been trying to get you, to Reese, he's saying this to Reese. I've been trying to get you to look into my head this whole time for you to see that I, like, I've been screaming in my head, like, I'm working for you, I'm doing this for you, I'm not wow. evil, I'm like a double agent. And Reese never looked into his head because he did not want to see memories of Under the Mountain. Aww. He did not want to see Amarantha's face. Yeah. And that just, oh, that's so heartbreaking. It really is. But it's been through so much. Like, that really, if I think too hard about, like, what Reese's character went through with Amarantha, it, it will really genuinely break my heart. Mm. Like, that kind of abuse is just... I mean, really, all abuse. We can't, like, rank the abuses, but, like, whew, that one's rough. Yeah, and I think this is the moment where Reese really does look into his head and confirms. Hmm. Oh. And, and that he, he's not hunting down Miriam and Draken to kill them. He wants to apologize and Aww. ask them for help. And I'm just like, Jurian oh, was a cinnamon roll, and we had no idea. <laughs> I know I overused that, but... No, I love that phrase, because it just... Really well encompasses yeah. soft, gooey. Warm, He's looking for them middle. to apologize. Yeah. Like, I'm so sorry I tried to stop you guys from loving each other <laughs> and tried to kill you that one time. That one time. But anyway, this was a total game changer. I felt like I did not see this coming. It was one of those moments the first time I read it. I probably put down the book and like sang a high note or something. Mm-hmm. It was awful or wonderful. I guess it wasn't awful. It was wonderful. But then among, amidst all of this, Elaine is getting her heart just ripped out because she's like, I love you, Grayson. Like, I'll always love you. And he's like, um, absolutely not. Um, you're worthless. What does he say? He said a bunch of t- terrible things that, that yeah. he'll never marry her. Um, also, Nesta slaps him. Grayson and, does not have a thing for pointy ears. Yeah. He's very, like, prejudiced. Yeah. And unwilling to... I do love that Consider. Nesta slapped him. Yeah. And she's like, you don't deserve Elaine. And everybody was like, I don't know. I just felt super indifferent. I, I feel indifferent towards Elaine. And so this, like, I thought it was super sad for her to go through this. But then I was like, eh, eh. Moving it's on. That meme. I love a meme. <laughs> you don't get so tired of my memes. Um, but it's like from the show Loki where he's like, yes, very sad. Moving on. Yes. <laughs> like, but like that was me when I was reading this yes. part. Um, Hilarious. Yeah, and that slap, you know, Grayson probably was shocked because she had some face strength. So uh, she probably, like, slapped him really hard. Or I like to imagine she did. For sure. So, so then they go back to the war camp and they're preparing for the next day. They did agree, like, Grayson said the humans could stay there, but not the fight. Oh, okay, yeah. But anyway, yeah, they I'm go back to the war camp. Um, There's a lot of, like, war plot. Yeah, I just don't feel like there's a lot to talk about yeah. there. Like, they're doing I mean, war stuff. Worry, war, war. Yeah. Plot, scheming. Plot, yeah. Strategies instead. Yes. Um. <laughs> Cassian comes back with an injured wrist, and that's a sweet, tender moment mm-hmm. where she just, like, wraps the wrist for her. I feel like Nesta is... This whole war is, like, the thing that got her to realize her feelings. Because mm-hmm. that's what I see progressively ever since, I guess, summer. Where she was worried about Cassian, mm. the more danger and crisis that's coming upon the inner circle, she's noticing in herself, and everybody else is definitely noticing mm-hmm. too. That like, oh, she ha- she cares. There's about something him. there. Yeah, there may be something there that wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. Um, and my ears were perking up the whole. I was like, oh. Uh-huh. So then, <laughs> uh, Feyre decides she needs to find the surreal and get some answers. No. I know. <laughs> Let's just not talk about this. Stop. <laughs> and we all know Suri is like our favorite character. Mm. Um, I cried during this. Like, I, I don't cry in books. I don't yeah. think I've cried since I read New Moon in the eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did cry. That was, that was a lot. I was... Mm. Okay, so basically, like, forever ago, Schmerger, or Ianthe, like, went to find the cereal and gave him a cloak for some information, 
but like put a tracking thing on the cloak so that if the cloak was ever in the presence of Feyre, it would be like a blip on the map, you know, to help them find Feyre. So as yep. soon as Feyre showed up to the cereal, he, I mean, not, not purposefully, but just knew like this is it. And, and it was a beacon to direct Ianthe there. Yep. And uh, it's just... So, yeah, he did get shot. I By Ianthe, my arrows. least favorite person on the planet. And But first, he tells them some good information. I feel, And there's a quote. Of course, I'm looking for the quote. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my favorite quote in the whole book. I have it on my water bottle. I'll find it in a second. Uh, but he tells them, you know, you can use... Nesta and her powers to find out where Hybern's army is. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially, you know, she came to get information on Hybern's army. Yeah. Because of like calls to like. You yeah. See that again. Like calls to like. She asks, um, like, how they, if, what can happen if they, if they nullify the cauldron, will that be enough? Um, yada, yada, yada. And then she says, um, she brings up the Overos, and he calls it the mirror of beginnings and endings. Mm. And she tells him, you know, I can't, I can't get it. And he's like, you're afraid to see what it has. And she's like, well, here's my question. Will it drive me mad? And, mm-hmm. oh, my favorite quote in the whole book. He says, only you can decide what breaks you, curse breaker. Only you. Um, and this was kind of the turning point. Like, and I love that. Like, that's just so, that's just such a strong... Mm-hmm. line and he gives her some more information and that's that's when he gets killed and one thing gets shot. one thing that's really important that he says is Feyre asks why did the cauldron not react when she joined the books together mm-hmm. and spoke the spell and he says Feyre you didn't hold it long enough and she's like well it was killing me and the cereal says there's a cost to using it mm-hmm. it's gonna drain the life from you. Oh, foreshadowing. And so, yeah, that's important for the future. And and so, basically, she was kind of saying, like, we're, we're trying to nullify the cauldron here. Like, what did we do wrong mm-hmm. in Mist and Fury, you know, when I did do it? And so, essentially, that answer is, like, you have to hold on longer. Yeah. And, and, and pay let the it price. kill you. Yeah, yeah, pay the price. And um, after he gets shot, she's just blinded by rage. And she leads them into the Weaver's Cottage. Love. Which is absolutely like the best. Um, Anthe has that moment. Ianthe has the moment where she's like, oh, you're so careless. You know that I'm going to have to slaughter whoever's inside oh, yeah. that house. Like, because she assumes it's a family yeah. or whatever. And Carol's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. And joke's on you. Ianthe gets slaughtered. By the and- weaver. Hello, Fiction Therapy listeners. We were enjoying talking about this book so much that we forgot to pick a stopping point. Um, so we just kept on and kept on and on. So we decided let's just keep talking and we will split it up in editing. So this is going to be where we stop for part three and we will pick up right after Suri's death in part four. So, so sorry you don't get any invitations from us or uh, resources or anything, but we will talk about that stuff at the end of our Ack of War discussion. So see you guys next time.